Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here in Food Fan Headquarters, and I've got another great show for you this week. I've got an interview with one of my fellow food writers, Andy Hall from the Mountain Express. She zoomed in and talked to me about her road to becoming a food writer, which was a lifelong dream for her. So tune in for that or stay tuned for that. I've also got some reviews for you coming up of some food that I ate last week and especially a really good hot dog that I had. And we'll get to that later in the show. But before we do anything else, I just want to give you an update on Tubby. Tubby is, of course, the giant oversized mascot for Duke's mayonnaise. He's a giant tub of mayonnaise and he's quote unquote unhinged according to the people who made the costume. And uh, Duke's has agreed to send Tubby here to Asheville. It's a very exciting thing for us. He's going to be making an in-store appearance at one of the Ingalls grocery stores here in Asheville. And I'll leave it up to Ingalls to tell you all about that because I don't think they've released any press about it. So there's just a little, uh, sneak peek at the future for a tubby in-store appearance at an Ingalls, but I have tubby for you, the people of Asheville on August 3rd from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And that is a Thursday. So if you're downtown that morning, or if you can come downtown that morning, come meet tubby and hang out, be giving away some swag. You can get your picture taken with tubby. If you're a chef or a home cook, you can bring tubby some deviled eggs or something else made out of dukes and you know tubby doesn't have a mouth and so like the people who show up to say hi to tubby will be the people eating this food and uh the update that i have for you is that i have been in touch with city council members and they are so excited for tubby to be in our town and i don't i think i told you guys this already but my friend an artist named zen sutherland very awesome guy and a lot of people in Asheville already know Zen. He's got his own dang mural. Somebody painted a mural of him over there in West Asheville. So you may even know his face, even if you don't know the man. So, But Zen made a giant spatula-shaped key to the city of Asheville that I'm going to give to Tubby on the steps of City Hall or thereabouts. And Twisted Laurel, downtown Asheville, will be our home base. So if we can't do it on city hall, we'll do it over at twisted Laurel, which is just half a block away. And so, yeah, get excited, get pumped, get your mayonnaise eating pants on because tubby is coming to town and folks Duke's mayonnaise is very excited about this. They are, I think just as excited as I am to have tubby come to town. I think they're just kind of thrilled that that's, even something we want. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, anyways, we do want it. And so that's happening August 3rd. And as long as you're writing things down on your calendar, write this one down in September. September 9th, again, from 9 to 11, what's up with these early events? Uh, there's going to be a chow chow event that I'll be involved in that's called Zero Proof. 
And it is what it sounds like. It's a, it's like a class on mocktails and such, and a little bit of a alcohol-free living lifestyle type of a thing going on. And I'll be there with a woman named Jillian Ashley, who runs a company called Mertails, M-E-R-T-A-I-L-S, Mertails. And they make elixirs, non-alcoholic elixirs that are great to mix drinks with, but can also be used to make non-alcoholic drinks with. And you should check out their website. I spelled it for you. Just put a .com on the end of that or plug it into Google. You'll find their website and you'll find out all kinds of stuff about them. They uh, they are very on the hippie, hippie end of things. I almost said hippy-dippy, but I don't want to be insulting because they seem like great people. And I'm just kind of on the punk metal side of things. And so... It's going to be an interesting mix when I'm there. It's like Sid Vicious and Stevie Nicks are going to be together presenting some non-alcoholic drinks for y'all. Uh, all right. Not not that I'm as cool or dead as Sid Vicious, uh, but maybe I should stop talking now. There you go. I did it. I stopped talking for half a second, folks. And now let's get on with the rest of the show. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan here in Food Fan Headquarters, and I have a special guest this week. I have one of my fellow food writers. Now, I don't get a lot of opportunity to talk to my fellow food writers here on the podcast, and so I'm really excited about this. And the person I have with me today is a super nice person. She works for the Mountain Express, where she's the food, arts, and culture writer. Her name is Andy Hall. Hey, Andy, how are you today? Hey, Stu, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's a beautiful day here in Asheville, North Carolina. No, no rain, although I don't know if that thunderstorm woke you up this morning about 4 a.m. It sure did. It was yeah. it was a raucously loud thunderstorm, and yeah, everything wow. outside is soaking wet this morning. Yes, but the sun's out. It's a good Monday so far. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining me. I, I just wanted to talk to you about your career as a food writer, but also talk to you about what it's like to be a food writer. Like you and I can swap some stories and stuff. So first of all, why don't you tell us your arc? Like how did you get to where you are as a reporter at the Mountain Express, our our weekly free newspaper here in Asheville, North Carolina? Yes, it's been a long time coming. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a writer. My One of my idols was Charles Kuralt. Growing up, when I was very, very young, I loved the the television. I loved watching CBS Sunday Morning and On the Road, and I thought, what a cool job! He goes around, talk interviews, talks with neat people, neat subjects, gets to try all this cool food, um, and that's his career. And so, my goal, when, since I was five years old, was to go to the University of North Carolina and become a writer. And I did end up at UNC and I did major in journalism and um, I did both news editorial and photo. Well, as soon as I graduated, which took a few years, I took some time off. Um, I moved to Washington, D.C., where I was going to become the next Woodward and Bernstein. Um, sent out 75 resumes exactly. Got one call back, and that was for a special events job at the Kennedy Center. I'd done special events throughout college and worked in the food and beverage industry since I was 15. Um, and so I took it. DC's expensive, and it was the Kennedy Center. I mean, that's exciting. 
And the entire 15 years I was in DC, I ended up doing special events at the Kennedy Center, the National Archives, and then eventually the US Capitol. And, you know, again, food and beverage industry, but never was a journalist. Well, dang, that's that's <laughs> impressive, though, Andy. Well, I mean, was. I, I wouldn't mean, it for the world. At Woodward and Burns, man, they they <laughs> probably don't get to eat the wonderful food that you do as a food writer these days. So it all worked out in the end. Well, that's it. Really did. Well, thank you, thank you. It was so interesting. I saw so much. I learned so much. I wouldn't trade it for the world. One day, maybe I'll write about those experiences. And then about six years ago, I, well, I really wanted to come home back to North Carolina for a, 10 good years, but I needed a job as a single woman, independent. I needed a good job to move and mm-hmm. to sustain. Mm-hmm. So Biltmore Estate hired me um, six years ago, exactly June 15th, I, I started and did special events there, food and beverage, and um, got. I'm getting a little older, and honestly, my body couldn't take working those those days anymore. Um, okay. It's not a secret. I, I'll share with y'all. I was diagnosed with lupus before I moved back, okay. and one of the things my doctor said was, "You really need to slow down." And um, I was grateful to Biltmore Estate, but again, I needed to slow down a little more. Then the pandemic hit, and that's when I became introduced to. Well, I've I've been reading Mountain Express forever, but that's when Mountain Express gave me a chance during the pandemic. And when I was first hired, it was in marketing. And then I moved on to do the uh, club land and calendar coordination. Mm -hmm. And then in December, my editor asked if I was interested in writing about food. And it really, I'm trying to cry. It really is a dream come (laughs) true. It really, really is. And so I'm kind of new at this, even though I've been thinking about it since I was five. Uh, that's um, awesome. And that's, that's what I call an arc, right? Like starting in the marketing department, moving up to the calendar, which is kind of like, you know, that's where you start in a newspaper is doing the calendar and now achieving your dream as a food writer. Like that's what I call an arc, Andy. That's awesome. <laughs> so you. congratulations on that. And, and what is a typical week in your life as a food writer like these days? Um, well, it's, you know, Asheville, of course, we all know has something new happening all the time. I remember someone asked me when I first started doing this a few months ago, how much is there to write about? And you can't even keep up, you know, it's amazing, not just breweries, but restaurant growth and changes and openings and chef change. I mean, so much. So every week, and this is my favorite part, I talk to so many different people and just learn so much and put it all together. And then you get that creative aspect and the writing, which sometimes is fun. Sometimes it's not sometimes, you know, we get the writer's block, but, Uh um, but it's, it's just so enjoyable. And and then I started doing the arts and culture roundup probably in April as well. And that's every other week that I do that. And um, so I'm meeting folks in that arena too. And it's just, nonstop and exciting and always doing something. You're always working. And you know this, Stu, like even if you're not working on an article, every time you go out to eat, every time you go out, mm-hmm. you're getting ideas and meeting people and people want to talk to you about things. And, and again, I love all that part. I love yeah. staying busy. <laughs> I'm not on yeah. my feet 15 hours a day, but it's still, you know, always thinking. 
Yeah, when you're a writer, you get to stay home a lot, which is nice. But when you're a food writer, you also have to go out, which is even nicer. It's like the best of both worlds. And of course, I augment my income and my life by doing food tours, which is the polar opposite of sitting at home and writing. It's like you're out there talking to strangers and people and stuff. So being a food blogger myself, and I don't call my, I feel like I'm not quite a writer because I don't write articles. I write little blurbs about food. So I call myself a blogger and you're, you're a writer though. And, uh, but being in our field is just awesome. Like dream come true for sure. So there are a lot of benefits that people of course can imagine, which are, we, we get to go to tastings is one of them. And Andy, you and I attended a killer tasting together at tasty diner not too long ago thinking about it oh my god and i already covered that on the show but um it was one of the more organized and thorough and uh comprehensive tastings i've ever been to now have you been to enough tastings to have experienced one that's a little bit more of like a chaotic uh, mess Okay. I don't have much experience in tastings on the journalist end. Um, of course, you know, working in food and beverage, you always do the tastings to taste sure. up prop new menus or, or event menus or things like that. But no, I have not seen a chaotic one yet. Because okay. I'm only in a few. <laughs> they can get crazy, man, where you're just wow. like, ah, how do we do this? Um, but Stephen was very organized with that. I would say, and this is going to be weird to critique a tasting, but my one critique would have been he could have broken that into two tastings because by the time we got to the second half of that meal, oh, my God, like I could barely look at the food, let alone eat it. There were a couple of things I ended up taking home so I could taste, but um, I know it's like, wow, y'all are complaining it was too much food, but, you know, you're right because we do want to taste it and be able to describe it and tell others about it. And, yeah, Stephen's awesome. I just he was actually the first person I interviewed in this new role back in December. Um, And yeah, yeah, we've gotten to know each other a little bit and he's he's incredible. So I was grateful for that amazing feast bounty <laughs> of course yeah, yeah like with you guys a lot of people attended that i had not met before yeah that was a really good one we got you you are a part of my group that i started on facebook called afwabimp stands That's for yeah <laughs> Asheville food writers and food writers bloggers and independent media people so we're a small group of people that we try to all show up to tastings and that one that one was a grand slam of Afwabimp people because you were there and Tiana was there from the Citizen Times and Luis was there from Asheville Multicultural. Um, Jonathan Ammons from Dirty Spoon. It was like the heavy hitters were in attendance. But I wish a few more people could have shown up. Um, I would love it if the folks from Edible and from AVL Today could start to come to some of our tastings because the reason I started this group, Andy, was so that we could have a common voice so that we could communicate with each other as food writers and also so that people didn't feel left out of the tastings. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's yeah. great. Thank you. Now Thank I know that, that that brings up sort of a not so pleasant part of being a food writer, which is I experienced right away. And I don't know if you have too, there seems to be a lot of jealousy and animosity towards food writers, assuming that everything we eat is free for one thing when only a portion of what we eat is, is free and, um, and free should be in quotes because we're there to do a job and we do the job and we do it well. 
But have you experienced that? Like I even got hate mail and stuff in the beginning. Were you at all surprised or have you been able to avoid that? Um, well, I've followed along with yours, you know, with social media nowadays, people would feel like they can just say anything that they would not say to you in person. And it's really, it's really one of the most disappointing things right now with humanity. But so I've followed along and I've noticed that people, you know, that pick on, on, on you, on, on your Facebook page. And then, um, so far I would say I can sense some jealousy with me. Um, no one has outright said anything, but I get a lot of comments about, oh, you you have, you're the luckiest. You get to do that. You get to do that, this, that, and the other. And this is your job. You just eat free food all the time. And that is definitely not true. In fact, as an employee of Mountain Express, we are not to accept freebie food. And again, that's not what we're doing. We are going to taste things, doing part of our job, but no, people don't just like give me stuff all the time. But I, I do, I have heard a few comments in that regard. It must be nice. The people, Oh, it must be nice. That's kind of like, well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and it is nice for the most part, but there are some pitfalls to being a food writer as well, especially I feel like in the American South and where think, a lot of deep fried food, a lot of food with, pork and bacon and uh, the South is not afraid of fat and cholesterol and sugar and salt. Right. And I eat a lot of that stuff. And while I'm, I'm able to maintain my BMI, mm. I have high cholesterol. Mm. And so that, that ain't going anywhere. So I have to take a pill. Um, so Andy have, do you also experience some pitfalls from being a food writer? Some things people might not expect about how it's not always awesome. It's mostly that's, awesome. But. That, that's right. Well, you know, everyone has their restrictions. Um, I used to be a vegetarian. Um, I am not anymore. So that's made it easier as far as tasting. Um, another thing is, um, it's difficult in situations and not just at food tastings, but, and I do, I will um, drink alcohol, but it, you know, sometimes if you don't, or if you're not in the mood and you get that pressure, if everyone else does, um, I haven't felt that too much, but I have gone to uh, tastings at breweries and things where you're kind of expected to drink a little more. And that, that can be awkward again, not, not a bad thing. Um, and then, I have gained about 10 pounds since December. So there's that. I just, that's my own doing. I need to get out and hike more and be more active. And um, like you said, being a writer, you can work from home a lot, which I am blessed that I'm able to do that. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays um, are my days from home. But the, I tell myself those days, I need to just need to get out and exercise a little more. So yes, things I'm learning. <laughs> well, let's, it's funny because we tend to internalize those things. I need to get out and exercise more. I need to do this, but it is one of the dangers of the job. People are like shoving high calorie food at you and being like, tell me how you like it. Oh, that's so good. Most of the time, you know? Yeah. yeah, Right. <laughs> and I, I should say, I don't, I do struggle with my weight as well. I'm only five foot four. If I put on some weight, it really shows on me. So I don't eat as much as people think I do. Like I, I got a cheesesteak sub yesterday. I ate half of it. I'll eat the other. I actually cut the half in half. I'll have half a quarter of it for breakfast and then I'll eat the rest for a snack later on. So yeah. it's like I'll people see the, 
Yeah. And, and so do you also, when you go to tastings, do you try to regulate? Are, do you, are you regulating? I'm I regulating. Now, um, the other tasting that we attended at Mother Ocean a couple months back, that might have been one of my first big real tastings with, with a lot of folks. And I did not regulate at first that day. And so towards the end, I couldn't eat again, you know, everything. And they were nice and packed it up and sent it home with us. But yes, now, now I'm learning to regulate, um, not just at tastings, but um, I used to be better at regulating and personal, but yes, I'm getting back to that. Well, I, <laughs> I feel like the problems that most people have around food issues are just uh, 10 times for somebody who makes that their job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I agree. And, but it is, for the most part, a wonderful job. And one of the wonderful aspects it, are the food festivals and the big events that are coming up. So are you getting all pumped up for Chow Chow? I am. And it, I understand it's a little bit different this year. Maybe they're going back to the original format. Um, yes, I am very excited about that. Uh, um, I serve on a board for Blue Ridge. Oh, gosh. It's called the Cafe Board. It's Blue Ridge food ventures and they're opening a new facility out in the farmer's market here in a month or so. But anyhow, um, now I'm going to mess up his name. The gentleman who is smoking Jay's fiery foods is on the board at Chow Chow. And we just had a board meeting at cafe board. And so he got me all pumped up about it. That's what that long winded. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, yes. And I didn't realize, or I didn't think that it's really around the corner until our board meeting last week when he mentioned it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I need to learn what's going on with Chow Chow. I don't know if there's a preliminary schedule out yet or, or what, but I'm very excited. And then also this other festival that I learned about through your post. And now I'm attending Mm -hmm. is the one um, heritage fire out at Horseshoe Farm. I'm yeah. super pumped about that. And that looks like a, I've heard so much about that farm, that venue, and it looks gorgeous. And the chefs that are competing are amazing. I mean, Steven's one of them and um, Chef McGlynn. Yeah. Right. I think he's yeah. the current. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a competition. And Chef Owen McGuinn, McGlynn or McGuinn. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> One or the other. He is the current champ of this competition. And yeah, that festival looks awesome. I unfortunately can't attend. I've got oh, no. to work that day, but that's okay. Um, and it looks amazing. The best chefs in town. There's like a huge list. I think Ashley Shanti and I think just a ton of our best chefs are going to be there. Yeah, that's soon. That's July 16th, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So here's something about the festivals, like the good and the bad, of course, I want to go to all the festivals, uh, but they can be so exhausting. Like they take, some of them are like five hours long, you know, and uh, they're out, they're outside in the sunshine, which I'm not a fan of. Me neither. (laughs) So they, sometimes I struggle at the festivals, like the chow chow brunch was uh, the corn brunch. It was called everything was made out of corn. And uh, it was awesome. Like the food was great. The speakers were great. The knowledge was awesome. It was so brutally hot. Like I thought I was going to die. And so I do struggle with some of that and also some social anxiety because not only are you forced into a social or forced, you know, it's part of your job. You're in a social situation, but 
uh, everybody knows you and ain't no getting away. There ain't no sneaking around and not being recognized. And so that's right. That's true. Yeah. That's always a bed of roses. It's not. And that happens at, at concerts and everything. And yeah, I, I, because I experience social anxiety as well and I just need a little place to hide. So yeah, I get that with the, with the festival challenges and yes, yeah, sun is an in or yes, sun and lupus do not go well together. Okay. So and hard for me to adjust to that too. I love a sunshiny day, but to be in the direct sun, especially in the heat. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Talk to about that. Yeah. I haven't attended festival too many festivals as a food writer yet, but good things to keep in mind, take care of ourselves, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Like take care of your comfort. This is one thing that we have to learn how to do is to basically say, I can't attend. Uh, you know, I'll be there for a little bit. Like I, they asked me to scoop ice cream at this thing the other day and I had a real busy day and I wanted to do it, but I said, I can do it for 20 minutes. And they were like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did not commit my afternoon to scoop an ice cream and I'd have metal carpal syndrome after that, you know, for yeah. one thing, it was really hard. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah. You gotta, gotta think of those things. You can't just always say yes and and be there the whole time. This is good advice. Good things to think about. <laughs> exactly. And and Andy, let's uh, let's just reiterate that ninety nine point nine percent of our job is a dream job. Yes. And so the things that we're talking about now that are on the downside, they exist. But this isn't a me and you complaining about our job. Oh gosh, not one bit. Again, yeah. grateful dream come true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And speaking of dreams come true. Let's talk about hot dogs. Ooh, yay. Finally, I get to talk hot dogs with Stu. (laughs) (laughs) I hear tell you're a fan of hot dogs. I am. I am. And I think probably maybe a few years ago, I messaged you. You were looking for um, judges for the competition you used to have. And I messaged you this long, like, biography and how much I like hot dogs and why. And you already had the judges lined up. Um, so yeah, I've never got to attend one of those, but yeah, sadly we don't do them anymore just because COVID messed up the ability to do live events for me. Like people were just so wary of other people people didn't want to spend money ahead of time. They were making last minute decisions about where to go and what to do. And so we just, Shay Brown and I just, we canceled the last hot dog throwdown. Now let's uh, let's talk about where to get a good hot dog. I've been getting them from Farm Dogs lately in the S and W building. They are fantastic. Yes. I love the what is it? The beef cheek chili. Ooh, is that yeah. Right? Yes, they are located right across the street of our <laughs> office at Mountain Express. I love that S and W food hall. But I will say, Farm Dogs is one of my favorites. Um, I'll be honest though, I haven't explored as much in the hot dog world here in the Asheville area. And I, I need to, in fact, I'm going to let you in. And I guess the listeners in on another long-term long time dream of mine is to write a book called the great American hot dog search. It used to be called the great American gas station hot dog search, but I've changed that to just the great American hot dog search. And it's been since I was 20, that I was, I've been talking to my friends about writing that. And I had two partners in crime and that one is, passed away last year, my best friend, Jake, and it will be dedicated to him. His nickname was hot dog, Jake. 
And um, the other was an ex of mine, so he's no longer involved. But um, that is a dream. And so I feel like, well, gosh, I need to get started here in the Asheville area. Is that, well, I shouldn't ask you what your favorite hot dog is in that. Oh, you can. I give out an award every year. So last year I got, I gave my hot dog of the year award to Woolworths. Uh, yes, I did. I do remember that. That's also across the street from our office. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, they fillet their dog, uh, like butterfly it, and they put it on the flat top. So it picks up a lot of flavor from the grill. They use uh, Nathan's and they're great. Yes. And I also really like Bigfoot Longs, the the cart, the hot I dog cart. I have time to try that. I yeah. have not yet. And he is on the top of my list to try and talk to. And I don't know if he wears that big suit, uh, Yeti suit in this heat or not, but more power to him for doing that. Yeah, I need he dresses to up. Where can I find him? I need to look. I know he does Highland a lot. Highland. Yeah. Yeah. He's accessible uh, through Facebook. So if you write to him okay. through his Facebook page, he'll get back to you right away. He's very oh, enthusiastic. Cool. Very oh, good. Enthusiastic. I love that. Yeah. yeah There's great hot dogs, Andy. Let's let's you and I uh, develop the Asheville hot dog trail. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. Yes. I've All been right. wanting a hot dog blog, a hot blog. I've been trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Trail. Good. Let's let's oh, find every dang hot dog in this town and make a hot dog map. I can't wait. I'm okay, this we're is, doing it. I'm so excited. I don't think I've ever been this excited on a Monday. I don't usually <laughs> like Mondays very much, but this has been great. Oh yay! <laughs> All right, Andy. Well, I'm gonna let you go. You've been real awesome to talk to. Oh, uh, I'm so glad that you're part of the Afwabimp community now. Yeah, and I, I love your enthusiasm for food, and I'm looking forward to the next time we're at an event or a tasting or even just a restaurant together. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna take a picture. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> great. And in case you don't know what just happened, Andy took a picture of the Zoom screen. That's really funny. I don't know how you know technical. I can't even say it, but I'm glad I could log in and it's been a real pleasure to talk to you because we don't often get to talk, you know, in depth at these tastings either because they're just, there's so much going on. So this is really nice to have a conversation with these two. I agree, Andy. Thanks again for coming on the show. And You're welcome. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. I'll be looking for that hot dog trail to start soon. We're getting that started. That's, awesome. That is officially a, a thing. Can't wait. All right. Bye, All right. Andy. Bless you. Have a good one. You too. All right, everybody. It's me. I'm back. Stu Helm, food fan, food fan headquarters, yada, yada. You know how it goes. Well, uh, I was just uh, flipping through my phone, uh, looking at some pictures going all the way back to 2015. So a lot, a lot of pictures of food and coffee, food and coffee. And all the pictures of coffee reminded me of when uh, when we did the coffee expo. And when I say we, I mean me and my partner, Angie, but I also mean all of us, everybody who went, everybody who participated, all of the coffee makers and the coffee roasters and all the wonderful, wonderful people who showed up to make the coffee expo, the Asheville coffee expo, something really special for me and Angie. It was a lot of work, but it was, it was worth it in the end 
to have done it and to have sold it to a woman named uh based on uh well, Abigail Abigail uh we sold it to Abigail and she ran it for another couple of years and then the covid-19 kind of drove a stake through its heart and uh it never came back and Abigail did tell me like hey if you want to do it you can pick it up again no worries and i just i don't want to do that this is just a lot of work uh but it's you know it got me to thinking about all the things that we used to do here in Asheville that went away because of covid-19 and of course the ones that i think of most often are the battle of the burger and the wing war they were such a integral part of our food scene and they were a big deal they'd happen every year the winners were so proud of what they would win and they still brag about their having won those events and they the battle of the burger in particular gave the winners an opportunity to go compete nationally and uh it was just a really fun aspect of the food scene now it was also like kind of a giant pain in the ass for everybody involved and uh so <laughs> there's always that aspect to any event for the, the the amount of fun it is there is an equal and opposite amount of pain in the ass and uh and those two are the ones that that I miss the most though the, of of all the competitions and of course there's all the ones that Shay Brown and I did uh, everything from donuts to pizza to hot dogs I can't even remember all of the ones we did. We did a lot of them. And I did some with Dig Local, the pimento cheese competition and the fried chicken competition. And uh or fried chicken was just an online thing that I did. And then AVL today did pick that up last year and did a bracket system for fried chicken. And um I think the same people who won mine won I think Sand Hill Kitchen won both both times. Anyways, I'm just reminiscing for the point for no point other than to reminisce and to walk you guys down this little alley, this little nostalgia alley with me and to think about where those food competitions went and I I know from talking to the organizer of the Wing War and the Battle of the Burger that those are not coming back either. Uh when like again, giant pain in the ass when the momentum is rolling, you can keep rolling with it, but once the momentum stops it gives you a chance to step back and breathe and go on to do other things in life that are much easier than producing events um and so i know that that is the case with me i'm and i'm only speaking for me right now but people did move on and are doing other things so it's up to us or you really or a new generation of people to organize some competitions if you want to do that still I just really don't know where the people of Asheville stand on such things. It is difficult to sell tickets to events these days. People are uh saving their money because of, you know, it's been proven again and again over the decades of my life that the economy is just not something you can count on chugging along. It's going to stutter and stammer every once in a while, so I think people are just not spending as much as they were before the pandemic. and also uh the pandemic people are still some people still not feeling good about being in crowds and other people just found different ways to have fun other than going to events 
So I'm not sure where the world at large and where Asheville stands on events and on food events and and food competitions in particular. I have, I'll tell you, and this this is in no way a guarantee that this is going to happen, but Shea Brown and I have been talking about bringing the pizza fight back in 2024. And that is mostly because it's the easiest one we ever produced. You get the pizzas delivered. You have like judges tables. It was not open to the public, but we could try to do that. But that's when things get really difficult. And so that's, but the public has a chance to be a judge as well. And we might, maybe we'll sell some judges tickets. I don't know. I'm just actually spitballing right now, folks. But I just wanted to kind of include you in on this internal conversation I'm having, as well as I'm having it externally with people like Shay and the other food people in town. Do you want food competitions again? Will you buy tickets and show up? I mean, wanting them is one thing. Being there is a whole other thing. And which ones would you like to see come back? And, and probably most importantly, are you yourself in a position to organize one because I'm happy to help you do that. I don't want to be the primary driving force of it, but I'm happy to consult on how to do a, a food competition. All right. Well, that was just a little bit of a road a trip down memory lane of all the food competitions we used to have in this town. And now we don't, but maybe we will in the future. It's largely up to you. All right. On with the rest of the show. All right, everybody, I'm back for just a little bit of some food reviews. I'm going to review some food for you. Now, you know, one of my favorite things to do in this whole wide world is to go out to eat. I just love it. It's the best. I I like to cook at home. People ask me, do you cook at home? Answer, yes. Do I enjoy it as much as going out to eat? Answer, no, I do not. And so here are just some of the things. Uh, And let me tell you, the reason that food is my job now is because of how much I like to go out to eat. It didn't, it wasn't the other way around. I was enjoying the food scene so much here in Asheville, this incredible food scene that I decided to make that my job. And it's taken me a while to figure out how to do that, but so far so good. All right, folks, but let's talk about some things I ate. I went to Little B Thai right here on South French Broad Avenue uh, and right outside of downtown Asheville. I went there twice last week, man. I sometimes forget how dang good it is, man. Uh, and I, I, the first time I got the chicken stir fry, which was just stir fried vegetables and chicken with all kinds of nice spices. It was semi spicy, not too spicy. And that just came with white rice. And it was really, 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 really good. And I also got a crab and shrimp roll with that, or an order of two, and they were great. They were kind of Rangoon style with some cream cheese in there. And then the next time I went back just a couple days later and I got the Penang curry with chicken. I love chicken, just in case you haven't figured that out. And I got, and that was freaking great. I love Penang curry. It's one of my favorite kinds of curry. And I got the veggie rolls. So this deep fried spring rolls again, but this time instead of shrimp, crab, and sour cream, they were stuffed with vegetables. And they were really, really good. I really enjoyed those. They kind of reminded me of these ones I used to eat when I was a kid. 
that I have had a hard time finding anything that tastes like that. So now that I found these, I'll be going back to get these quite a bit, I believe. Uh, so those were my two Little B Thai food experiences. I know that y'all are already fans of Little B, but if you're like me and you sometimes forget how much you like it, get on in there and get some Thai food. Their hours are very short, and so there's sometimes a big line. But don't let that deter you. They are very quick with what they do there. All right, moving on. Next, I just want to talk about, I, I talk about this place a lot, but it's right downtown. I work downtown. I'm there a lot, and they have been adding some new stuff to the menu. Manicomio Pizzeria. I had the best Philly-style cheesesteak, let's just call it a cheesesteak, that I have had in Asheville since Ziggy's closed. And uh, the people of Asheville who are cheesesteak fans know what I'm saying when I say since it, Ziggy's closed, because Ziggy's run by Chef Robin Ziegler, she made the best Philly and a killer Reuben and just amazing food. But the Phillies at at Ziggy's, you could call them Phillies because Robin was from Philadelphia and they were awesome. So Ziggy's RIP, they are not around anymore. But Manicomio, John Leibowitz has started adding house-made slow-cooked meats to the menu. And he is making this thin sliced cheesesteak sub thing, cheesesteak that is just freaking unbelievable it's just so good it is so dank i use that word to describe all of john's new sandwiches his reuben his cheesesteak and his brisket uh sandwich they're dank af y'all if i could swear on the radio i'd be swearing right now that's how good those cheesesteaks and all are so get on into manicomio avenue on biltmore avenue manicomio pizzeria on biltmore avenue and get yourself one of these cheese steaks and let me know how you feel about it. All right, moving on. My next thing I want to review is I went to a pop-up for a place at Botanist and Barrel, the little uh, dry all natural apple cider tasting room downtown with, they have wine and hard ciders and all dry and all natural and uh, really fun space, really nice little bites. And they do pop-ups every once in a while. And this Sunday they had one for, something called honey badger bagels. And I had never heard of honey badger bagels before, but apparently it's a pretty good thing run by a guy named Lyndon. I didn't get to meet him. He was real, real busy, but uh, I got a bagel and just a smear of cream cheese and some black pepper, some ground black pepper. That's, that's what I like. I like cream cheese and black pepper on my bagels to start with. And then I can add other stuff from there. And they do have a really nice vegan locks there that's made from carrots so a carrot smoked carrots basically with a little bit of brininess added to them really good i actually prefer it to locks these days so the bagel was great it was chewy it was crunchy on the outside cream cheese was very satisfying and the whole experience was great i sat at one of the little tables outside and while it was sunny it was not brutally hot in the sun so i did manage to enjoy myself sitting in the sun, which uh, if you've been following me for any period of time, you know that I generally do not like the sunshine. I'm not a fan. Uh, and then the last thing I want to review for you folks in terms of food that I got this week is I got myself a kimchi hot dog. So it's just a hot dog with kimchi on top and some other stuff too. It had some bacon and had like a sriracha aioli and uh, maybe some cilantro and white onions on there. And 
I got it at the Rankin Vault right there on Rankin Ave downtown. And the Rankin Vault is famous, of course, for their Vault Burger, which has won the Battle of the Burger seven years. And they little Vault Burger is very, very good. And when I go into the vault, I'm generally getting the Vault Burger or some nachos because their nachos are really good, too. But mostly the burger. I had never even considered getting a hot dog from the vault. And I didn't even realize they had one on the menu. And then one day I'm walking past the vault and I'm sitting outside under one of the red umbrellas. There's a couple of friends of mine who are uh, in the food industry sitting there having a beer. And for some reason, they started telling me about this kimchi hot dog. And they said, and this is uh, Chef Chef Rakim Gaines from Capella on Night. Now, he is a fancy-pantsy chef. Uh, He's... He's salt of the earth as a human being, born and raised right here in Asheville. But as a chef, he's pretty high up there, man, Uh, literally, because he's at Capella on nine, but also like just his skills and and the food he cooks and stuff. So when he starts telling me that the kimchi hot dog is, in his words, the best hot dog in Asheville, I listened. And his friend Paul was sitting there, too. And Paul is a is like the lead line cook at Capella on nine. So, and he himself is an amazing cook. Uh, he also confirmed that that was a fantastic hot dog. So I went back the very next day and I got this dang thing and hell yeah, it was awesome. It's a quarter pound Nathan's hot dog, juicy as can be salty and delicious. And the kimchi and all the other stuff I described was just fantastic. And uh, you heard during the interview I did with Andy, Andy Hall there, the writer from the Mountain Express, that she and I want to make a hot dog map of Asheville. And I'm already working on that. And, man, there's a lot of hot dogs out there, so we might have to do it in sections. We'll start with downtown and then branch out from there. But this this kimchi hot dog is like ground zero on the hot dog map, uh, the hot dog trail, the Asheville hot dog trail. All right, folks. So there you go. Some reviews uh, of some food. I'm making myself hungry here. Although I just ate, I got a um, got a prepackaged biscuit, egg, bacon sandwich from French Broad Food Co-op. They have these prepackaged sandwiches and burgers and stuff, like all wrapped up, ready to eat, hot, and they get a little steamy inside the little package. But they're good. I've had both the burger and the biscuit, and they're good. There's They're kind of like, they're all natural and all good because they're at the food co-op, but they're kind of trashy gas station style in a way. And I I love that. It's ticking off some of my nostalgia because it seems like the kind of thing I would have eaten while I was walking to work when I was a young guy in my early 20s. And so I got one this morning downtown and I ate it while I walked home and it it really was uh, pleasurable. I enjoyed it very much. All right, folks. That is the end of the show. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Thank you to my guest, Andy Beard. And thanks to WPVM 103.7 FM, 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville broadcasting to the world. And folks, if you're out, uh, follow me on social media, Stu Helm Food Fan on Facebook, Instagram, and Substack. Please subscribe to my Substack newsletter if you want to. Pay for my Substack newsletter. That does help me to stay editorially independent, ad-free and editorially independent. Um, and so, and and always, as always, if you eat something good, find me on social media and let me know about it.
All right. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.